Welcome back to Post Sermon Reflections podcast with Crosspoint Church. I am grateful to be here today. I always say excited. Janet so k- kindly pointed out to me. Um, <laughs> and I am excited, but more than that, I am so grateful for our listeners who tune in. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two amazing friends with me. But before I get to talk to them, I want to tell you a little bit about what is going on on this podcast and some things that we're looking forward to. So Ben and I will be doing a read-along podcast to the book Talking Points by mm-hmm. Vaughn Roberts on transgenderism, which we are very excited about. So you guys know that you can get those books at the hub for $5. If you don't listen with us here at our church, we would love for you to get the book. Um, It's very short. It's going to be a quick read. But we are going to be starting that on June 11th, and we're going to be reading the book along and commenting about what God is teaching us and how to love others. And we're looking forward to our Transform series on July 16th. So we hope you buckle up and tune in with us. But I get to introduce my two pals. So Ben is with us, and we know he's the best. He's been on here multiple times. We have a new friend, Janet Castle. Yeah, Janet. Yeah, oh. who is our queen beekeeper and is a faithful lover of Jesus, the father of someone who was already on this podcast, Liam Castle. Mother of someone. Yeah, mother of somebody. And she has two somebodies. And so I would love um, just for her to say hello. And I know Ben has a burning question he wants to ask her. Hello. Janet, tell us one fun fact about beekeeping. I think it's an, a misconception often that a you know a healthy hive has one queen, mm-hmm. and I think the misconception is that it's ruled by the queen. But in actuality, um, decisions are made through democracy by the the female worker bees who, at their shortest, live only about six weeks in the summer. Whoa. So they learn from the United States about democracy. That is crazy. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Female-led democracy in the United States. Not true, but hey, cheers. So what we're talking about today, Ruth? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So we are are tuning in to um, our podcast for the Church of Sardis. And so, Ben, I would love for you to give us an overview of what Pastor Brennan taught us. Um, It was a baptism Sunday, which is like a reason to address five people get baptized. I know I was super encouraged just to see people saying, man, I am with Jesus. And I want those in my community to know that. And I want to just display what God is doing in my life, which is so, so awesome. Amen. Yeah. So the Church of Sardis, uh, Pastor Brandon preached from this in Revelation 3. And the Church of Sardis was about 100,000 people uh, in the population. And the church was booming. It was the church that all the other churches in Asia Minor were looking up to. They were the ideal church uh, as Pastor replied today, they were the church with the packed parking lot with the three services. They were the church um, that was on the outwards killing it. Um, but looking into the text, Pastor Brennan realized they inwardly were not killing it. Um, they were inwardly dead, though they were outwardly thriving. And so Jesus' letter to them are telling them to wake up, to recognize that you are dead, and to truly come and follow me, even though some of you confess to know me. And I think that the illustration that Pastor Brandon pulled through all of this that really helps us to understand it is he used the illustration of an ash tree. And so ash trees, um, bugs get in and they get insected um, inwards and it eats away at the core of the tree. And so you actually don't even see that they're being eaten away and they can be dead on the inside. And then slowly, eventually this tree would eventually just fall and die. Though outwardly, it looks just like a good, healthy tree. Um, until it falls and crashes. And so Jesus warns the church to wake up before they fall and crash. Yeah. Um, super crazy. <laughs> Janet Castle was recently hit by a tree that fell. And so I think this is a funny point, but 
Like when churches are dead on the inside, they do hurt others. Yeah. And oh, they, yeah. they will do damage. And she had, she was the physical representation of some of the damage that they did. Um, but, 3.6 seconds and yeah. that thing was over. But the good news is that the tree is dead and we are alive. <laughs> yes. True. There, there's, there's spirit. There's some spirit, spiritual application in the midst of that. So our heart on the Post-Term Reflection podcast is to take our Sunday morning living Sunday morning learning into our Monday morning living. And so we want to talk about what are some of our takeaways from this sermon. So Janet, we want you to lead off and tell us what are some encouragements you have and what are some some things that you're you're being convicted of and you're seeing Jesus move in your life. The conviction I felt this morning was a reminder that when I show up here on Sundays, uh, I'm I, I'm often about getting fed, worshiping, um you know, building my community of other Christians. And I, I it's often like a late Sunday morning thought, oh, I wish I had invited. I wish I had invited. And I've had people on my heart for months. And these are non-believers. And so um, I, the takeaway for me was I need to be more intentional. I need to actually schedule this time to serve God, to build relationship, and invite some folks outside of the Christian community mm. into my community here at yeah. Cross point. Yeah. So there's just a recognition of like, man, I come to receive, but yeah. there are others who don't know Jesus who I know would be like encouraged and challenged to be here. And I should be asking them to sit next to me. Absolutely. Mm, that's so good. Ben, what about you? Yeah. I was really just challenged by that whole idea of waking up um, and just like you're outwardly thriving and inwardly dead. Um, and I think I really appreciate how Pastor Brennan drove it back. We ultimately, we often go back to the Old Testament model when we try to do evangelism, where it's like, oh, come and see what God has done for Israel. Come, come look at the, the glory of this temple. And Pastor Brennan's like, no, actually, go and tell is a difference. It's not come and see anymore, it's go and tell. And then, so the church is not the building of the people, the church is not Fellowship Crosspoint, this building. The church is actually the people here. Yeah. And the church is called to go out into the world to make disciples of all, of all nations, proclaim the good news, baptizing them, right? And so that's the missional thread of the New Testament. And it requires us to go out into uncomfortability, go out into our friend circles, go out into our unbelieving family members and tell them the gospel. It's not only just, hey, come hear the gospel. No, you literally are the gospel. Yeah. You go witness it, you go live it, and you go tell it. Um, and that was a convicting reminder from today mm. that I need, I need to be going to do that. Yeah, going out, like just your your recognition of like, man, I, we were talking about this previously of like, last week I have not shared the gospel with anyone. Yeah. And there's no one in my week that I told of the good news of who Jesus was. Mm -hmm. And like the kick in the shins was like, Ruth, like there's someone you have to tell this week that I pray that my eyes would be open and my heart would be willing to be convicted by Jesus. Um, And so one question that I have is what stops us from being missional in living and saying, it's my my job, not someone else's job, my job yeah. to go and tell. Mm. Fear. Okay. For me, it's fear of having the right words at the right moment. Mm. But what I've realized, I always felt ill-equipped to really um, do that. And, um, you know, what I've noticed is, as I've spent time in the Word, growing my heart closer to the Lord, investing my time intentionally into doing that it's it's that desire is growing in me and although i feel like i would really 
love, I would love some fundamental conversation starters, you know, some, Mm -hmm. some ways to approach things, listening to others, share it. I've learned a lot as well, but, um, it kind of reminded me of what Pastor Brennan said when you, you know, they did that infusion into the trees to, to kill those insects that were killing the trees yeah. um, to give them a chance to live. I just, I, I, I married that with like the infusion of my time with the Lord growing in my love That's for him and there. my passion for him and, and, you know, letting that grow out from me naturally that way. Yeah, I think I think fear is a really real thing. Um, fear of the unknown, like fear of not knowing how they're going to respond. Yeah. Fear of whether you have the right words to say. Yeah. Um, I think fear of how you will be perceived. At least I think that's the biggest thing um, since I've been a Christian. Is like fear of how this person is going to view me after this. Mm. Um, and I think the the interesting thing is when it comes to evangelism, um, I would say and I would even argue that I think God calls us to evangelize to those who are closest to us. Mm-hmm. And so like God, I heard it once said that God does not, Rosaria Butterfield um, in the gospel comes with a house key. She says that God does not get your address wrong. Yeah. And so the, the point she's saying is that God has placed you where you live for a specific reason within his sovereignty. And so I think of that. God does not get your address wrong. He does not get you, get your, so he doesn't get your family wrong. He doesn't get your friend circles wrong. Yeah. Like he has placed you in those spots and he has called you to live on mission in those things. I'm not, I'm all for you going on the streets and going and talking to strangers and going mm-hmm. to, but they, those people around you, those people you have relationships with are those people who you actually have the most leeway. You're the most relational capital that you've already earned to share the gospel to it. So true. But the, the flip side of that is those are also the people who are the most terrifying to share the gospel with often because they're the people you have to live with. There's a cost. There's a people exactly like me going to share the gospel and some with some random person on the street of Philly is like, well, who cares? Like, don't, if they think I'm some crazy, some crazy conservative who's a bigot and <laughs> just trying to proselytize everybody, it's okay. They're they're welcome to have this opinion of some random tall dude. Mm. But when it comes to people who I'm close with, people whose relationships I matter, and ultimately people who I want to like me and care about me, then it's like, oh crap! If they don't they don't like me and they don't care me. Do I want to be as straightforward as I am I called to be? Yeah. Like that, I think that's when it gets tricky. Yeah. It's tough when your family thinks you're a bigot. That's definitely, that's definitely a lot tougher. Yeah. Um, And it's a lot tougher to have those conversations that say like, you know that I know that I love you, mm-hmm. but you know that I know that you are not submitting to Christ. Because most of the people who are in our lives know that we love Jesus. Yeah. Know that there's something about our lives that's different. And if they don't, that's a reason to to think a little bit inward and say, all right, if no one in my life knows I'm a Christian, yeah, I should be a little mindful about what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that you are hiding that or whether you are living two lives, um, I would encourage you to to take that to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you think about my life? Yeah. That, that 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 exact point. That's actually something like has been on. I listened to another podcast about this um, a week ago. That's Tell us which one. <laughs> Tell us which one. It's a podcast called Pints with Aquinas. Love um, it. And he brought up this um, Anglican bishop in England. He was a conservative. He's talking about our beliefs and how we live it out. And he says it is utterly essential that we need to live our faith. Yeah. Like we can't just say these things. We can't just write these things. We can't just speak these things. Like we need to live these things. And that was something, and that's been on my mind all week because I'm like, I need to live my faith. 
Like if, if, if we don't live our faith, if we don't take those steps, if we don't take holiness serious, we have no, we have no nothing to proclaim of. Mm-hmm. Like how can we say repent and believe when we're living as if we haven't repented? Mm-hmm. Like how can we tell others to come and follow Christ when we're living as if we're the same way as the world? Yeah. Like how can you be drunk with your friend and tell him, hey, you should sober up? Yeah. It, it's a, it's utter hypocritical. Mm-hmm. And I think even um, first thing that Peter talks about. Um, living in a certain way. And when they ask you about the hope that you have, you proclaim to them. And I think that's a really valid passage, even in the cultural climate that we live in, where things get a bit more chaotic. Because when you're saying, I believe in Christ, you're saying, I believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. I'm saying, I don't believe that you can change your gender. I'm saying a lot of things that are contrary. And so like, there's a lot of things loaded into it, but there's this level of like, they should see your good works. They should see how you live and they should ask you, what is the hope that is within you? Yeah. And I, and I think that's a, that's a part of it. Like you need to live your faith if you want to tell your faith. Yeah. And I think there's, there's a reality of the play it safe Christianity that says that it's just for me. Yeah. And so like when I read my Bible, I'm like really thinking like, God, what are you, what are you saying? What are you saying to me? Is that I get to feel good about me? Mm-hmm. Like whatever that is. And like, my spiritual disciplines, yes, should help me pursue Christ more, but they should be the fuel that sends me out. Yeah. It should be the gasoline in my truck that's driving towards hell-bound unbelievers saying, get in. Get in because Christ matters, he's supreme, and he cares. Because yeah. I, I know that, like, you guys talked about fear. It is straight selfishness. That keeps me from sharing my faith. It's yeah. like, oh, I do not want to. Oh, yeah. I don't want to do anything about that. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want them to have to sit next to me. I don't want to have to disciple them. That's a whole lot of time. Yeah. Because I see someone like we were joking. Me and Pastor Brennan were joking that like it's so nice when like a well-discipled believer decides to plan at our church because they're ready to go. They are ready to go. They're like, I know my Bible. I can disciple other believers. They're they're the McDonald's of believers in that they are like ready to be eaten right away. But it's a confusing way to put that. But here we are. <laughs> However, when we meet someone who's a non-believer, it's like asking to eat from like something I just planted. Yeah. Of like it's gonna take a while for the fruit to bear, and I'm gonna have to tend to it, and I'm gonna have to love them and wait with them through long seasons of them learning and growing and messing up before they become fruit-bearing believers. And that's what and that's what we're called to. And like, yeah. even what we love is what Pastor Brennan almost preached against, where it's like, it's not about just taking people from other churches yeah. who are already discipled, who have already been- Because they're formed. useful to us. Right. Yeah. And, and the other side of that is also is like, the Bible says nothing about making converts. Mm-hmm. And like, it says make disciples. Yeah. And that that's a, that's very different. Like disciples mm-hmm. is you're creating people, helping people follow Jesus, not just intellectually believe in Jesus. Do you guys remember in the sermon when, well, it's in the Bible. I think it's verse five about, uh, <laughs> that's how it you made it so. into the sermon. <laughs> so. But, he, you, know. you know, he says, when you confess my name, mm-hmm. I will mm-hmm. confess your name before yeah. God. And one of the things that I kind of took away, because with this whole tree accident thing, a lot <laughs> back of- Back to the circle back. You know, there's all the stories telling people what happened and trying to work into conversation that, you know, my faith in God for that moment, for mm-hmm. that, like, this is, this is, this had his blessing on it. Um, but what I've, this morning, what I kind of took away was- I kind of want to switch up the God word to Jesus because I think culturally God 
can be very um you're just a higher power whomever that higher power yeah, is yeah yeah and 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 expressing myself from a way where i'm 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 pouring the name of jesus into that you're a jesus follower i'm a jesus girl and you know this is where my faith yeah. is mm. anyway uh, yeah in in evangelism i have to be very specific and then i'm talking about the person of jesus cuz god yeah they don't know if it's little g or big g and they don't care. And but like the name of Jesus is offensive because the name of Jesus is a call to repentance. Exactly. And that's what's important is that no matter what, there's a call to repentance. Yeah. I was a uh, I was writing I was working with Legacy. Legacy was on mission this week and they were making blankets for veterans who are on hospice. Super awesome. I was super encouraged to watch them do it, but I was helping them by writing a sample note to the veterans, knowing that these mm. veterans are going to pass away very soon because they're on hospice. Mm. And I was thinking about the gospel and I was like, I have to put something about repentance here. Like, yeah. like we can say this, like Jesus loves you. We can say all these things, but it's a call that if they want to know this Jesus, they can repent of their sins and accept him as their Lord and their savior. It's a call to die. It's a call to die. And that, and that with dying comes life. Like nothing is, nothing ever is born that doesn't first die. And like, that's the beauty of like, we're in the spring right now. And you're seeing like all these dead plants that were dead and withered all summer. And we're towards the end of the spring, but you see them coming alive. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the same thing with our life. Like we have to recognize that we are dead to, and come to a life. Yeah. And that's what yeah. baptism is. Like that's what baptism was the illustration of today. Or for you guys who are listening tomorrow, yesterday was Corey, Stephanie, Patrick, like these people, Christina, like they said that they have died with Christ. When you went under into the waters, you have been Craig. united with Christ and that you unite with the death and burial of Christ. And when you have risen, you have been united with him in the resurrection of Christ. And so we, we die so that we can live. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is, we're going to get into some practical conversations about what does it mean? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be someone who says, I am not a Christian just for me? Mm. Because you are not a Christian just for you. You are not just saved just for you. Yeah. We are called, beloved, nurtured through Christ, and then we are all sent out. There is not a single believer yeah. who is not called to be a disciple maker. Amen. Save for the people in the back. There's not a single believer who Wake is not called go. to be a disciple maker. And so if you have not experienced the joy of telling someone about your faith and you have questions, I'd love to talk to you. Ben would love to talk mm-hmm. to you. I know that Pastor Brandon would love to talk to you. There are so many people in our church who would love to talk to you because there's something so liberating about saying, I wasn't just saved for me. Yeah. And so when you guys started sharing your faith, what were some things that were helpful for you to be reminded of or to learn in the midst of taking your faith from outside of you into the world? Yeah. I think the biggest thing is do it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I still think sometimes I can get like driving my car, like just thinking and like, what is the best way to share the gospel with this friend? Like, how do I make this like, on the, how do I make them understand this? How do I get them to connect the dots? Um, and I can get, I'm one of those guys who can like think about it for so long and never do it. Yeah. And so just like, until I can think about it the way I want to do it, I won't do it. And th- there's a level of fear in that. Like you're, I'm afraid to enter into it. And so I use the excuse, I need to think about this more. Um, but for me, the biggest push was just going and doing it. Like I'd rather ha- hear them like say me, me, it might be messed up a little bit. They might be offended a little bit, but just going and doing it um, and having gospel fluency yeah. And having this ability of a, you know the gospel, just go and tell the gospel. So I think um, the first thing I would say, there's a lot of things we can say, is to do it. Yeah. 
I think for me, it would be quit worrying about the words. Mm. Like sometimes I'm afraid to start a conversation. I don't necessarily know I'll have the words to finish. Mm -hmm. And I think when you focus on the heart and let the heart pour out, you know, you just talk from your heart, whether it's making sense, you know, you, your head may be going, I don't know if you're making any sense or not. But, yeah. you know, I think the heart speaks louder sometimes yeah. than words. Even if they don't fully understand it, they may sense that yeah. there's something there I want to understand more about. Yeah. And I, I think this, like, with that is there's a huge value in sharing your testimony mm-hmm. um, and sharing the gospel. Share share your story. Like, what has Christ done for you? Have you? Do you feel like you've been changed from dead and sin to alive with Christ? Do you have, do you have a faith and a hope and a life that's worth sharing about? Yeah. And like, what's the reason for that? You tell them. Hey, man, how are you? Let me tell you what has happened in my life. Yeah. I think other things, be natural, be comfortable, like make it a normal point of conversation. Yeah. Like, don't get all squeamish and awkward. Yeah. Even if you're nervous. Yeah. Like, don't be weird. Because other people, <laughs> like, I, I experience this. Like, I'm actively trying to talk to, like, friends and young adults about Christianity. And most people don't even grow up in the church or they're nominally Catholic. But all of them have some form of conversation about religion. So you ask them, hey, do you believe in God? Like just starting some kind of conversation, like most of them have had before. Like they're not, oh my goodness, what is he trying to do? It's, oh, no, I don't. Or yeah, I guess I do. Like when we're natural and comfortable about it, we can bring up the, bring up the gospel cleanly. And I do think it's important. Ben knows I feel really passionate about this, that like we have to come from a place of honesty of like, if you genuinely don't care if they know about God, because you just want to get to your bait and switch, everyone can feel that. Yeah. And so like. Pray for the heart that loves them enough to not want them to go to hell. That's a good one. Yeah. Like, that's like, for me, I remember Gil Trusty, love him to death, um, was my junior high youth pastor. And he mm-hmm. told us, how much do you have to hate someone to not tell them the truth of the gospel? Wow. And I was and I was like, me as seventh grade little girl being like, I'm going to tell my soccer team about Jesus. And then being like, Ruth, you're <laughs> weird. And me being like, ah, I'm sorry. And so, like, it was very helpful to be reminded of that, of like, if I truly say that I love someone who doesn't know Christ, how dare they go to hell without yeah. me praying over them, telling them about who Jesus is? Like, who was it Spurgeon who says that? Spurgeon is, says, I'm going to mess up the quote, but you can look yeah. it up. But Spurgeon says, if, so, if people have to go hell, if people have to go to hell in God's decree, not one of them should go not pleaded before God for their soul and not pleaded before man mm-hmm. for their soul. Mm. Yes, which I think like to me, that's like, if every single person at Fellowship Crosspoint in all Bible-believing, gospel-fueled churches, which there are yeah. those churches in New Jersey, and we praise Jesus for them, every single one of them said, I take personal responsibility of the 30 people I know that they'd all know. Yeah. How different would the world be? If they looked at who's on their contact list. I don't know how many contacts you guys have. I have a decent amount of contacts. But like... You're a social girl. I'm a social girl. Um, And I've been... I've told the I have told these two about this. This is like that it matters that the people who I've interacted in my life that they know who Jesus is. Um yeah. and that does look like having some conversation to say like, "Hey, what do you think about spirituality? What do you think what do you think matters about your life?" Mm-hmm. Um and I think something that's helpful for me in thinking about sharing the gospel is that I would talk about Jesus at every moment I can. And that like I would bring him up in every conversation that I can. And so like when I'm talking to someone at the grocery store, if I have an opportunity to say the name of Jesus, that I would like that I would yeah. be planting stones in people's shoes so that it irritates them. That was, I remember someone throwing stones in people's shoes is like, cause it helps me be reminded. Why am I here? 
Why am I at the grocery yeah. store? Why am I sitting at this table with these random group of people? Why am I going to this bachelorette party? Why am I going? Whatever I'm doing, I'm going to a party today. Whatever, whatever I'm doing, <laughs> wherever I'm at, where does it, why am I here? Yeah. I was at a shower two weeks ago and I was sitting next to a woman who like has some semblance of faith. And I was like talking to her about what it looked like to go back to church because she like, her husband doesn't believe and he's a nominal Catholic and whatever. Yeah. And I was sitting there and she said, this is where I live. And so I looked up four churches in her area and said, like, it matters. Like, Jesus put me here to talk to you about you coming back to faith because, like, he cares about you and he wants you. So, like, whatever those conversations look like, wherever we are, that we're asking, Jesus, why am I here? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Who do you have me here for? And, like, if you're asking me to open my mouth, help me open my mouth. Mm. Amen. So I think it is... Um, so important just to to give some encouragement because like it can feel like oh man I haven't shared my faith in six years and that can be like really really hard sometimes to yeah. think about and so I would love you guys to share what is just one encouragement you have for the believer who's really nervous listening to this you know just start with your testimony I think you know for me that's the easiest part I can speak more honestly more accurately more clearly to how God has shown up in my life in times of trouble as opposed to just rattling off the gospel you know so I think that's a comfortable place for me to start yeah I think totally you need to believe that it's truly God who brings life and so it's the spirit who gives life the spirit is the Lord the giver of life and we can never convince somebody to the Christianity. We can never convince somebody to believe in the gospel. Uh, but God tells us to go and bear fruit. And we are just workers. God chooses to use us. God says he can raise up stones from the ground to worship him, to praise him. He can raise up stones to share the gospel with people. Uh, but he chooses to use us to participate in his work. And so we need to believe that God's actually like God's actually saving people. He's actually working. And we we want to pers- we want to enter into that. So mm. the pressure of evangelism is not actually on us. It's on God because mm. God's the one who says he will do the work. He's the one who saves our souls. We're just participating. And so I would say, go participate. Like mm. you have the spirit of God behind you. And even if you get crucified for it, like you're you are storing up treasures in heaven yeah. and you're being faithful to the task that the Lord has placed on you. Yeah. Got it. Mm. I think it'd be super dope. Um, I think a lot of people say, how do we not, how do I do evangelism? And I think a huge thing is with evangelism is how do I do that? Yeah. How do I go about it? I think it'd be dope to give some book recommendations. Uh, um, so the book that changed my life mm-hmm. when it came to evangelism, because I would say like previous to college, there was a few times that I shared my faith, but within college, I felt like Jesus really took hold of my heart and said like, I've made you and all believers yeah. to be the kind of people that talk to other kinds of people about me. That's yeah. what I've made you to be. And Rebecca Pippert, my fairy godmother, she's not actually my fairy godmother, but that's what I refer to her as. She has a book called Out of the Salt Shaker. Mm-hmm. And I would say that is the most practical book that I've ever read yeah. of just like easy to read, simple stories about everyday people she ran into that she was open to talking about Jesus. And she talks about the fear that we have. And so if you're looking to get started, I think that's an awesome book. Um, I'd also say find accountability in sharing the gospel. Yeah. And so if you are someone in Crosspoint and you're like, I want to take some steps, talk to someone who you know shares their faith and say, can you hold me accountable yeah. to have conversations? Because it can feel very lonely. Mm-hmm. And we are not called to feel lonely in sharing our faith. 
Yeah. I would also recommend Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God mm. by J.I. Packer. Ooh. I would recommend The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Yes. Um, which I mentioned earlier, which is by Rosary Butterfield. Yes. Um, and I would recommend One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. Mm. So good. I'm blanking on the author. That's okay. That is okay. And I won't recommend anything, but I'm writing these things down. Hey, <laughs> that's, that's what we love. Because I, I'd love more. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think out of all things, my final encouragement to you would be when we pursue Jesus as our ultimate love, we will have no other option but to talk about him. That's it. And so just be reminded that evangelism doesn't come from a place of I must do more. It comes from a place of, man, how could I not talk about you? Yeah. You've done everything for me. You are the love of my life. Amen. And so I just want you to hear that. Pursue him with everything you've got. And out of that, let that be the gasoline that sends you into the broken world. Yeah. Um, and so, Ben, will you just close us in prayer? Totally. Oh, praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your son. We thank you, Lord, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, that he has brought us close, that he's united us to your son, oh, Father God. We thank you, oh, Father, that you have adopted us as sons and as daughters of you, Lord. And we thank you that you have so loved us and so we can love the world, oh, God. Lord, we pray that we would fall deeper in love with you each and every day, God. We, that we would marvel at your love, oh, God that we would respond in love towards you and that, Lord, your love towards us would overflow into love towards others, Father. We pray that we would speak of you because we love you so much that we want to tell others the good news. And Lord, we pray that you would work through us, Lord, to share your good news. We pray that you would work through those who have fears or struggles with evangelism, Lord, and you would challenge them this week, oh, Father, to, to share the gospel to a coworker, to a friend, to a family member, Lord. We pray that you give us the words to speak, oh, Father. And Lord, we know that you are the Lord, the giver of the life. And so, Lord, we pray that you work life in those who we proclaim the gospel to. We pray that you would grow our church, oh God, with new converts, Lord, with people who are newly coming to be disciples of Christ. We pray that you would be glorified and honored from all of our thinking, from all of our worshiping, and from all of our telling, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, go therefore and make much of Jesus in whatever area of your life God calls you to. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you have found this to be encouraging, please share it with a friend. Um, it is a joy to be with you on this podcast. Thank you so much, Janet. Thank you so much, Ben. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye.